0: Hey, well, welcome, everybody. For those of you here in Waukesha, joining us in Pewaukee, let's give a big hand and a welcome to all of our online people that are watching this weekend. We love you guys. We're so glad that you're here watching us, not just locally, but globally and around the country. And we hope one day we get a chance to meet you at one of our campuses. Well, my name's Don. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm so glad to be here today as we continue into week two of this series called for everyone. But before we jump into that, I want to acknowledge a sporting event that happened this past week. Sports fans in the house probably know it's the biggest tournament of the year. And what's it called? March Madness. Yes. And for those sports fans or non-sports fans, March Madness is not a disease. I will tell you, well, kind of is. You're going to have a lot of people probably calling out sick over the next couple of weeks. Matter of fact, I read that Corporate America loses $13.8 billion of productivity during those two-week periods. So I want to ask you, remember you're in church, show of hands, how many contributed to that dollar amount? Well, I got to tell you, I just want to let you know that, that our staff did not participate in that. Our staff was focused on this weekend. They were, their eyes were focused on the prize. And as you can see, we have a great service plan for you. So I'm just really proud that they were able to pull this off. Well, anyways, there were 63 games that are going to be played over a 21-day stretch. And when you have that many games being played, something always seems to happen, something crazy. Last year during the tournament, there was a video that went viral of something that happened between St. Mary's and Indiana. Check it out. Or maybe he's got to go on Vern's shoulders. As you guys can see, the ball's gotten stuck up there. The referee stands on the on the chair first to reach it, but yet you got a room full of seven-footers. I'm not really sure why he thought he was the one to reach it. Now they're arguing who can probably get up there to get it. But if you listen quietly, there is a, an announcer that is saying, hey, I got an idea. Get the cheerleader. Smartest one in the room is the cheerleader. They go over. Is she going to be able to get it? Yeah. Cheerleader saves the day. Yeah, let's give that cheerleader a hand. What's crazy is later in this tournament, this actually happens again a few games later. This time they had the cheerleader on speed dial and it was taken care of really quick. Hey, well, listen, I share this with you, this video, because sometimes things happen and life does not go as it's planned and we got to think outside the box. When life is kind of messed us up and we realize that the old way of what we're doing isn't working anymore, we have to start looking around for other solutions. Over the last few years, things have been kind of a wreck. It's been kind of dark and truthfully, it doesn't seem like it's getting much better. It seems like it all snowballed with this global pandemic, the fear and the loss that people experienced, all the unknown that circled around and and really it, it drove us apart. And the darkness of racism continues to pop up again and again. The political division continues to separate us. I'm not sure I've ever seen our nation so divided. And if that isn't enough, we continue to witness the instability and war around the world, the atrocities in Ukraine, the refugee crisis, and it's becoming somewhat overwhelming. Just look at all the social media posts. Look at the mental health issues that our young people are suffering through. Their darkness is very real. And for some of you, this darkness is quite personal. Maybe for you, it's economic darkness where you're not sure where that next paycheck's gonna come from or what bill you're gonna be able to pay. Maybe it's relational darkness. It's been a tough time in your marriage, in your family or an important relationship. Or maybe it's even spiritual darkness. You might be here this morning and you might look great on the outside, but on the inside, your heart just feels empty. People now more than ever seem to be looking outside the box for answers because everything else seems to have failed them. The government, politics, relationships, and unfortunately, even religion. They're looking for something else, and maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're feeling a little bit lost in the dark. Well, 2,000 years ago, people felt the same way. It was a season of darkness. But then along comes Jesus, and he says this, In John 8, 12, he goes, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. I love that first word, whoever. This is a reminder that Jesus is for everyone. No matter where your past is, no matter what you've done, he is for you. But the next word says follows. If we want to experience that that light that Jesus offers, we need to step out of the box. We need to step out of the way that we're doing life, and we need to follow him. Now, many of you have experienced this light, and you know that when you start to follow Jesus, it's kind of like a dimmer switch. The more that you follow him, the more that you follow what he wants to do in your life, the brighter things become, the clearer they become. Now, maybe for some of you, this is all new to you. And maybe you're looking for something different. You look at your life and you're open to look outside the box. You're open for something that can bring just some light into your life. Well, Jesus says, here's the answer jesus is the light and i want to encourage you to step out of that darkness that you're feeling and you just need to follow him this easter we're going to be doing baptisms again if you want to follow jesus this is a great place uh, to start this is your next step maybe you've made that decision but you've never been baptized well this is your next step as well and we would love to take some time and just talk with you answer any questions As mentioned earlier, we have a Next Steps hub in the middle of the lobby. Go on by. We'd love to talk with you. Last year, we baptized 75 people at Easter across both campuses. What a great way to celebrate your decision to follow him. Now, for others, you've already made that decision to follow Jesus. You know what what it's like to experience the light of Jesus. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't want us just to experience his light. He wants us to be a light in the darkness. He wants us to help others find that light. In Matthew 5:14 through 16, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The very guy who would have written these words down that would have heard Jesus say those words was a man named Levi. Later, he goes by the name of Matthew, and so when Matthew would have heard those words for the first time, you are the light of the world, let your light shine before others, he probably started wrestling with that. What does that that mean for me to be a light? What does that look like for me if I'm following Jesus? And over the next few weeks, we want you to wrestle with that. Wrestle with what does it mean, what is God calling you to do to be a light for others? Well, today I wanna to look at Matthew's life. I think we can learn a lot from his story, how he went from just experiencing the light to actually being a light for Jesus. So I wanna look at this story. I wanna reimagine this scene that's recorded for us in Luke chapter five, verses 27 through 31. If you have your Bible or a Bible app, you can open up and, and read the entire text. So again, Luke chapter five, verses 27 through 31. I wanna set the scene for us, Jesus' is teaching He has a huge crowd of people that are listening to him and they're following him. We know that Peter, Andrew, James, and John, some of his disciples, these fishermen were following as well. And Jesus wants them to see what kind of God he is, who he has come for, and what he is calling his followers to do. And that's not just his followers then, but that means us today. So as they're walking all together, Jesus sees this man in a tax collector's booth, and his name is Levi or Matthew. And he walks up to him and he says, follow me. And it says, Matthew got up and followed him. Now, based on what we've seen Jesus do prior to this, when he's called disciples, this seems pretty normal. You know, he invites them, they immediately drop everything and they go. But this was not like the others. It was far from normal. And truthfully, it was far from acceptable. This is where you're gonna lose the first century crowd, especially if somebody was Jewish. Matthew was Jewish, but he was considered the worst kind of Jew. He was considered a traitor to his own kind. They would have hated him even more than the Romans who ruled over them. He was a tax collector, which on the surface may sound like an IRS agent, but they were nothing alike. We might not like paying our taxes, but we like some of the benefits we get. Not in this day and age. Roman taxation, well, that's completely different. If you're a Roman citizen, you don't have to pay taxes, you win. But the people that Rome conquered, they paid all the taxes. But because the Romans didn't have the infrastructure to go out and kind of collect these taxes, they didn't have enough people, they came up with this brilliant way of collecting the money from the provinces. They're just gonna use the people that already live in those neighborhoods to collect for them. And because collecting it would have been hard as they have to go up and get that money from their own people, Rome gave them a little bit of an incentive. So I want to bring this into perspective in today's language, uh, bring this a little closer to home. This would be like if Wisconsin was conquered by Illinois. I know that would never happen. Look at their sports teams, but let's just assume that they could kind of conquer us. Well, once they conquer us, they go ahead and they use one of our neighbors to come and collect the money for them. But here's the catch. They not only have the authority to collect the taxes but because they're backed by rome they can add as many extra taxes as they want as much as they want they can tack it on these tax collectors were loaded they had everything that you could imagine in a town where people probably struggled to survive these tax collectors made an incredible living off extorting and oppressing their own people they were robbing them blind and because they were neighbors their wealth was shoved in their face in a constant reminder of what was stolen from them they're of jewish descent but they were no longer considered jews they were hated by their own people then along comes jesus with his crowd following and he's walking up to the tax booth and you can know you know what they're thinking man it is judgment day for matthew finally he's going to get what's coming up to him but instead jesus says follow me Out of all the disciples, I imagine Peter is losing his mind because Peter lives in this town. Matthew would have collected taxes from Peter from everyone else in that group. And here comes Jesus. He doesn't just go outside of the box. He blows it up. And he says, follow me. Come join me. I am for everyone. And Jesus has just invited enemy number one into their life group. Peter's trying to explain why this isn't a good fit. Jesus, listen, we don't have it, we were already tight, we've already gotten close, we really can't take anybody else, we're we're capped out, we don't have the space back at the home. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, suck it up buttercup, you guys are gonna be riding together. Luke 5, 28 says, and Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Though he was outwardly successful, though he had the homes, the vacation, the power and the wealth, life must have left him a little bit empty. He worked his whole life to climb this ladder of success, only to realize that it had left him in the darkness. He was willing and he was ready to look outside the box, outside of the way that he was doing life. So Matthew cashes it all in, all of it. For everyone else up to this point, they walked away from their jobs, uh, their boats, their, their, their fishing gear. But Matthew, he's probably left more than anyone else. Later, many of the disciples, it says, went back to fishing, went back to their trade, This is not an option for Matthew. He was done. He was walking away from the Roman government. He will never be able to return to that job or that lifestyle again. And Matthew just gives it all up so that he can follow the light of Jesus. But as he walks away from everything, he's got one thing on his mind, his circle of friends. This one group of people who probably tolerated Matthew because they shared the same life. They had the same job and the same experiences. And if Jesus could accept accept somebody like Matthew, Matthew's thinking, could he really accept some of my friends as well? The least he could do was say, hey, come come and see. So Matthew's thinking, okay, how's this going to happen? How am I going to get my friends and my new life group to kind of come together? And then Matthew gets an idea, his heart's racing, he knows this is risky, but there's one thing Matthew can do really well, he can throw a killer party. So Matthew starts thinking, okay, what do I do? I got to think outside the box. I mean, who's ever heard of a rabbi, some Jews, and a tax collector walking into a party, right? It sounds even like it's a bad joke. But he knows the reward far outweighs the risk. He wants his friends to experience this light of Jesus that he's found. So he asked Jesus and his new life group if they want to come to a party with his friends. Can you imagine the courage that took? He knew what they thought of him. They knew how much they hated him. But guess what? Jesus probably just smiled and said, sure, I'll come. Disciples, maybe not so much. Probably a little bit of convincing. So he heads off to the local market to grab some grapes, some dates, some cheese, quick trick to quick, quick, Trip to Costco to probably grab some of those little barbecue weenies because everybody wants them. Jesus promises to bring the wine, of course. Matthew puts the invite list together. He knows he can't pull this off alone. He's nervous. So he starts praying. Man, I just pray that everybody gets along. I just pray that the people even show up. But guess what? They do. Luke 5:29 says, Then Levi, Matthew, had a great banquet. Not just a, a banquet, but a great banquet and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. So the party's on. Everyone seems to be laughing. The music's loud. People are laughing. They're eating together. Jesus is talking to some of his buddies. He's telling stories, of course. James and John are talking about the fish that got away. And Peter, well, he hasn't stuck his foot in his mouth yet, so Matthew's pretty excited about that. Matthew's thinking this couldn't be going any better. They're building relationships They're having spiritual conversations. This is actually working. But then they show up. The religious, the self-righteous Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they come barging through the door, and what they see makes them lose their mind. Jesus has just gone too far this time. Oh, he's in trouble. He's going to hear some complaints. Jesus is going to hear about it. Luke 5.30 says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law belong to their sect complained to Jesus. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? I love the fact that tax tax collectors and sinners is in quotes. I mean, come on, Jesus, what are you thinking? Eating and drinking with immoral people, with the profane, with the greedy, with the irreligious people, with the sinners. Some of you are having flashbacks to the church lady on SNL. I'm thinking the music just stopped. All eyes went to Jesus. You could hear a pin drop. I've got to believe Matthew and his friends are thinking, wow, it was a nice ride while it lasted. Grabbing their coats, head down, that shame is starting to creep back in. No, that's not happening. Not with Jesus there. Jesus has something to say. He knows these religious leaders can't figure out what it means to be a light. They only know how to experience the light from God. With all they know, they still don't get it. Luke 5.31 says, Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick i have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance i'm not creating a country club guys i'm creating a hospital for sinners people who are sick and guess what guys i am the doctor you see jesus came for everyone because everyone is sick everyone is born with a sin virus that's why jesus says you must be born again jesus wants us to make everyone a brand new creation he wants to take them out of the darkness, their old self, and he wants to give them, he wants to give us a new life. The problem with the Pharisees, they didn't see themselves as sick. Jesus is saying, hey, I came to forgive sins, but if you guys are good, I'll see ya. I picture the Pharisees' jaws just hitting the floor. They're picking up their robes. They're storming out, tripping over each other, probably losing sandals. He can't talk to us that way. Well, he did. It's in the Bible. Matthew and his friends, their jaws now had to be on the floor. What just happened? Jesus went to town on these religious leaders. He actually stood up for us. Guys, I think we're in. As the party wraps up, Matthew and Jesus are the last ones to leave. I got a feeling Matthew looked at Jesus and said, wow, thanks for coming. Thanks for loving my friends. I know they can be difficult at times, but wouldn't it be just like Jesus to put his arm around Matthew and say, Matthew, I got to tell you two things. The first is, I love your heart. So many people follow me, but they never invite anyone. They don't even tell their families about me. But you, what you know me for a few weeks, and you're bringing your friends to me and trying to figure out a way to get us connected. You didn't turn your back on your friends. You took the life that I brought into your life and you shared it. I just love your heart for people far from me, Matthew. And second, Matthew, I love your courage. The risk you took, bringing tax collectors and my followers to a party. No offense, but that took some courage. That took some guts. I know how uncomfortable it could be to take a risk like that, but I want you to know that it worked. Matthew, don't ever forget, I'm always gonna need your heart and your courage when you follow me. Thank you for today. Friends, this is a heartbeat behind everything we do here at River Glen, everything. This is why we do church the way that we do. Because just like Matthew, we know that you have friends, we have family, neighbors, people that you care about who have not experienced the light of Jesus yet. And so I promise you, we're going to do everything we can to think outside the box and to do things outside the box so we can make it easy for you to invite people into your life, into this church. We're going to do outreach events in our community, we're going to throw parties at our campuses like the Easter crawl and September Fest. This summer, we're going to have meals every Saturday night after service in Waukesha and in Pewaukee after Sunday service. This is why we find creative ways to reach people through music and worship, make it relevant to those outside the church. Why we have a message that can reach people where they are, talking about subjects that they're dealing with, because they need to know that there is a God who cares for them right now, where they are, and that Jesus is for everyone and Jesus is for them. And I need you to know that we're going to do things that take some risk. And we're going to get it wrong sometimes. But we won't stop. We're just going to keep doing our best to make this a safe place to welcome everybody. And sometimes people may complain. Sometimes they won't understand. But I'm okay with that. Because we're going to keep throwing parties every single weekend for you to bring your friend who has never been to church before. So they can experience the light of Jesus in maybe a new way. Remember, Jesus came for the sick, not the healthy. Friends, God is calling us to follow him and be that light. So I want to ask you, will you start thinking outside the box and start thinking about people that you know, that you need to connect back to Jesus? And we're going to start with this. Think about four people, just four people that you want to invite to Matthew's party. Four people that God has placed in your life. We all have at least four that God has placed there. And he wants to use you to bring them to him. Now I have an exercise that's gonna help us think of these four people, okay? So I need everybody to start, everybody put up five fingers. Okay, you got all the hands up. Okay, we're gonna start with the thumb, okay? This is you. The next person is the next person is your, your index finger. This is a person who's closest to you. This might be a family member. This could be a relative or a close friend. Okay, do you have that name? We're gonna to go to the next finger, okay? This is the middle finger. Please do not put down the other two fingers. I don't need emails after service. So this finger, you guessed it, is a person that we don't like very much, but for some reason they're in your world because guess what? God put them there because they need to know Jesus too. So this finger right here, the middle finger is going to represent somebody difficult in your life. Okay. The fourth finger, this is your weakest finger. Think about people in your life right now who are going through a weak spell. Maybe they're ill. Maybe they're suffering in some way, or they've lost a a job or a relationship. Okay, so that's your fourth person is somebody that's, that's weak right now. The fourth person is the pinky finger. This is the short finger. This is for somebody in your life who maybe has just come up short. Maybe they've broken their marriage vows. Maybe they've had a huge moral failure, and now they live with this shame, and they feel like they don't measure up and they feel like they're alone in the dark. And For those, they feel like they're just coming up short. Okay, so we have the index finger, the person that's closest to you. You got that name? We got the difficult person. We got the person who's suffering right now. We have a person who's just fallen short. When well, we have these four names, what do we do next? What do we do? We've got four names of people that we know that need Jesus. Well, like anything that's important to us, things that we care about, We need direction. If we're going to be a light for everyone, we need to start with prayer. We need to bring God into this. So the first thing we want to do is we want to pray specifically and intentionally for those four people in your life. Pray for them on a daily basis and be very specific in your prayers. What do you want God to do in their lives? And how do you want God to use you so that you can be a light in their life? And I want you to know we're going to join you. As a prayer team, we're gonna join you as a church. We're gonna join you individually. Our staff is gonna pray over those as well. And to do this, we needed to think a little bit outside the box. I don't know if you saw it when you came in today, but in the lobby, we built this kind of monument to help us remember to pray for all those names that God has placed on your heart today. We've built this display and it has thousands of light bulbs that can go into those sockets. And in just a moment, if you're at our Pewaukee or Waukesha campus, you're going to get a moment to come up during this last song, and you're going to grab a light bulb. Everybody's going to grab a light bulb. And you're going to write, grab a pen, and you're going to write four names on that. If you came with a group of people, grab one pen. Make sure you drop them off when you leave. But we're going to write the name of those four people. I've done it. They're on mine, and they fit. So I just want to make sure you know. And for those of you online, here's what you're going to do. There's an email that you can uh, click. It's info at riverglen.cc. Your host is providing it along with the text number. Send us your four names. We'll make sure that we get a light bulb with those names on it. And then after the last song, we're going to go out into the lobby, and there's this huge wall that spells the words, this is for everyone, as this light that Jesus offers is for everyone. And I want to ask you to do this. I want you to pray over those names. And then I want you to put it into the wall and turn it on. And when that light comes on, I want you to know and believe that God will use you to bring the light into those four people. I guarantee if you pray and you put that in, that God will use you in some way. This wall will continue to stay up in our lobby as a reminder to continue to pray for those specific four, throw parties for those names on the wall, and continue to invite those people. So number one, we're gonna pray specifically and intentionally. The second is we're gonna invite boldly. Just as Matthew was bold enough to throw a party and invite his old friends and his new friends, I'm sure that wasn't an easy thing for Matthew to do, but he had a heart for his friends and he had the courage to know that God would do the rest. So let's be bold enough to invite someone. I think a great place to start is Easter. Let's invite somebody to our Easter service. People are more open to come to an Easter service than maybe any other time of the year. Matter of fact, next week, we're going to have some tools that we want to hand out to you guys that's going to help make that invite maybe just a little bit easier. And what's the worst thing that can happen? Somebody says, no, thank you. And even then, they're going to be polite about it. In the first century followers of Jesus, probably not so much. I think they would have suffered a lot more than a no, thank you. Let's not let being uncomfortable keep us from sharing the light with others. Remember, God has called every single one of us as a follower of Jesus to be a light on a hill. If they come this Easter, what a great opportunity it's going to be for them to hear what Jesus did for them, what he can do for them, the light that he can bring into their world, and for them to see others take that step and follow Jesus and be baptized. What a weekend it's going to be. Let's never forget, friends, The stakes are high, eternity is on on the line, and we have people all around us that are sick. As followers of Jesus, we can't continue to say we love everyone, but never invite them to come and see the doctor, to find the cure. That's not love. And if this invite seems like a lot of pressure, if this is gonna keep you up at night, know this, it isn't all on you. Here's a reminder, you're not the doctor, I'm not the doctor, none of us are the doctor. All he's calling us to do is to go find people and bring them to him. On the morning of April 15, 1912, the Titanic struck an iceberg off the coast of Newfoundland. Many of you have heard the story, you've probably seen the the movie. The whole thing was a tragedy that may have been avoidable on many levels. There were over 2,200 souls on board. I found it interesting that that's what they call people on a ship or a plane. So 1,500 souls lost their lives that day. That's 67% of the people who boarded that ship never returned. As many of you know, the most tragic part of the story is that many could have been saved. Half the lifeboats weren't even filled to capacity, Said the first lifeboat that left had a capacity of 65. First one off, 65, but it left with only 12. It had five first class passengers. The other seven were crew that they are actually hired just so that they could get the five to shore. It was named the millionaire's boat by the press and occupants were accused of ignoring cries for help from people in the water. Guys, I can't be us. I don't want that to be our story where we experience the light, where we find life, but we just come in on a Sunday and we keep it to ourselves and we leave people behind. Look at the empty seats around us. We have room on the boat. We sometimes need to take our eyes off of the shoreline and look around us and connect people. We have people in our lives that could fill those seats, who need to hear that Jesus loves them, and he came specifically for them. Let's be the kind of people that offer a hand that we search for everyone that we're for everyone that we become a light in the darkness for everyone and let's commit to be the people that pray specifically and invite boldly let me pray father first of all i want to lift up those people in this room and online that have been searching for some light in this dark world father give them the peace and the courage just to trust you and to follow you and Speak to someone about that before they leave today. For those of us who experienced your light, help us to be like Matthew, how he took that light that you gave in his life and immediately loved people enough to share it. He looked past any fear he had and just said, come and see. Work on our hearts and help us be a church and a people that don't just huddle every week, but keep throwing parties for those who don't know you yet. Help us to live out the mission of making more and better followers of you above all else. Father, thank you for your son and his saving grace, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.